Welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast that is changing society by cherishing scripture. I'm Zach Taylor, and I'm here with Jeremy, Nathan, and Dr. Bailey once again. So good to have you guys here. It's good to be here. Yep. Yeah, so hey, Pastor, why don't you go ahead? I, like we said on the last episode, we didn't even, I feel like we didn't even hit the tip of the iceberg on this one. So why don't you go ahead and give us a review about what we talked about in the last podcast and yeah. kind of bring us into this next one. Yeah, this issue of the tongue, you know, it's so downright relevant because we all have one and it's all always uh, seems to be on the side of the devil. And uh, we have uh, such a struggle, including me. You know, we talked about that last time, how. Uh, even pastors are not exempt. You know, he encourages in chapter 3, verse number 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, able also to bride of the whole body. So there's a, a compelling, compelling passage here that starts with uh, what is supposed to be the leader of the church, the pastor of the church, the master, as he's called here, because he's just a teacher is the reason that word is used. But, you know, last time... <clears throat> We were talking about the three illustrations here uh, that he gives early in the passage. And uh, years ago, I preached a message on this, and I just outlined it like this. You know, the tongue controls sermons. That's verses 1 and 2. The tongue controls stallions, verse number 3. He says, uh, you know, you got this enormous horse, and he's controlled by a small bit. And the tongue controls ships. He talks about a rudder with a large ship and how hard it is to turn it, how hard it is to uh, to control the ship. But uh, the tongue is kind of the... Uh, it's kind of the, the, the ever-present evil, right, that we all have and that we all struggle with. And so a uh, great podcast last time. Needful. Man, I don't know a church. I'm telling you, I don't know a church anywhere. I preach in churches, uh, you know, regularly, frequently, not just our church here, but other churches as, as a guest. And uh, every single church is having a problem with the tongue. It's always going to be that way, unfortunately. And we, uh, we desperately, desperately need this passage of Scripture, no question about it. Yeah, that's good. And you know, I actually got a question. I, I have a feeling there there has to be someone out there wondering, uh, you know, because the, the question just popped up in my mind. Well, I'm not a pastor, so how does this apply to me? How does this apply to just the everyday Christian, the everyday uh, saint of God, uh, but not necessarily the pastor of a church? Yeah. Uh, you know, in my opinion, it's it's this. I think there there's one thing that we are woefully delinquent on, and that is praising God. Uh, we can worship in our heart. Worship is private. Praise is public. And when we come to the house of God, we pray for our tongues to be loosed. We pray for our tongues to be used of God, a testimony. Uh, here at Brandon Baptist Tabernacle, every Wednesday night, we... Um, you know, almost without exception, every Wednesday night we open up our service with Thanksgiving and praise time because, number one, God deserves that. God is worthy of that. And uh, it gives the people of God finally an opportunity to say something in church. You know, a lot of churches, geez, man, I mean, it's a one monkey show. You know, the pastor is giving the announcements, the pastor is preaching the message, leading the invitation. And people just sit and listen, sit and listen, sit and listen so much that we've almost uh, had um, atrophy, you know, in which uh, uh, people are not using their tongue to glorify God. And uh, I think it's a sin. Yeah. I really do. I think people have to have that opportunity and must take advantage of that opportunity when they do have it. You know, I will say as well that uh, yeah, I've seen differences in the church service sometimes on Wednesdays when, um, say, one we had one Wednesday service where, man, the praises were great. 
Uh, people were emotional about it. Uh, they had great, great praises. God had done a great work. And, man, it it affected the whole attitude of the service. No, I mean, no. the service was completely different. And then you'll have some where you'll have one or two praises. Um, but then it kind of also it affects the mood of the service almost in a negative manner because there's not as much, uh, I guess you could say, as you said, the loosing of the tongue. And it's kind of given that Holy Spirit the free-flowing uh, that it needs to work in our lives. Yeah, so that was a good recap of what we talked about last time. I think we covered verses 1 through 8, so I guess I'll go ahead and read 9 through 18. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That's powerful, man. Wow. It's an awesome passage. Once again, several, several very vivid illustrations. I mean, first of all, it says, uh, can it bring forth, can a fountain bring forth sweet water and bitter water? Mm -hmm. Well, no, Mm -hmm. I mean, it has one type of water, right? right? And then it mentions, uh, doth, uh, and you know, to go back actually before I go on to talk about that water, if there's sweet water and salt water mixed, you're only going to taste one thing. That's the salt water. You ain't going to taste the sweet. You're just going to taste the salt. Um, And then it goes on to say, can a fig tree berry bear olive berries and you know that almost sounds funny to think about if someone was asked that question we would call it a rhetorical question like of course not of course not uh, but it's the same uh, he then he goes on and i love this uh, this is one thing i think when preachers do it it's just amazing when you give these pictures these word pictures is what we uh call them and then you're like no that's crazy why would why would who would ever think a fig tree can bring olive berries? And then he brings around about, and he's like, but you think that your good words and your bad words can come out of the same mouth, your blessings Ridiculous. and your curses. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, these things ought not to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest, and we keep referring back to the church, but it's just America in general. And we all have that, um, you know, you could look at somebody wrong and next you know the tongue takes over. I was in Walmart a couple months ago, and there was this this uh, guy, and he this one kid. I, he got, the kid had to be like ten, and looked at him wrong, and the man and immediately flipped out in the middle of Walmart and told him he was going to go out to his car and get his forty-five. I mean, the tongue just took over right away, and uh, it's it's bad. It's all over the place, yeah. and uh, and then you want to try it, turn around and do good see, works. Where that where that becomes so um, obnoxious, you know, parking a lot of Walmart or you know, this place or that place or road rage or whatever different things go on, where that becomes so obnoxious is when that starts coming into the church because yeah. if there's anywhere that that should not exist, that wrath and that malice and that envy and that jealousy and 
and um, you know the, he calls it here hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's hypocrisy is the real question about the bitter water and sweet is this: Can you praise God beside somebody that you have been bad, bad mouthing? Can you, without hypocrisy, praise the Lord beside somebody sitting on the pew with them that you just an hour later or an hour earlier have you know you, you're either going to or have been just chewing them up one side and down the other talking so terribly about them accusing them of things exaggerating things embellishing things mm-hmm. so i think that's the illustration you can't do that yeah i think it's I, a, I think it's, we've it's all not been, just obnoxious it's impossible yeah. yeah i think we've all been in services where uh, whether it was a sibling or uh, a spouse or something you've just had an argument and it was a big brutal argument and then you go and it, of course some, for some reason it always happens on a sunday uh, and then you go into church service, and I mean, you sit there, and it's a message that you really should have gotten a ton out of, but you get nothing out of it because, uh, like Pastor just said, you just spent your time being all angry and frustrated and chewing someone out, and then you go into service, and you, I mean, you can't get anything out of it. You can't get a blessing out of it because uh, you're just bitter at that point in time. That's one thing I try to tell my wife. If there's ever an argument before church or you know something that gets in the way that will cause us to not to not be in our right state of mind to come and worship God then i i tell her if we can't resolve it we might as well just stay home because we're just going to be a hindrance not only to ourselves but people around us they'll be looking at at us thinking what's wrong with them what's going on is there something bad going to happen you know yeah. something like that so it, it's always best to just you know get things settled before you come to church and that's one thing in churches today that has totally gone off the rails. People will get mad at somebody, and then they'll tell everybody else, but they won't go to that one person, to the person and that, talk to yes, them. to the relevant person. Yep. And that's yeah. why it's things a, never get It's the complete opposite of what Jesus told them to do. Yeah. If you have a fault, go to that person. Well, you know, we say, oh, building we on what you said, Nathan, which is was an excellent point, this may come as a shock to some listeners, but there are occasions when Jesus said don't go to church. There are occasions when Jesus said, look, if you come to the altar and you find that your brother has ought against you, leave the altar, go to your brother, reconcile with your brother, then come back and bring thy gift to the altar. So that's exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, we're hardening ourselves. We're really becoming, uh, uh, you know, kind of calloused when we just keep coming to church bitter or angry or uh, you know, with some malice in our heart, and we've been bad mouthing people, and and we think that you can do that, and the reality is you can't because it's hardening us worse and worse and worse and becoming uh, such an issue. But I, you know, one more point I'll make here, and I'll shut up. But uh, um, uh, you, when you go to the doctor to have your temperature taken, the first thing they do is they shove a thermometer under your tongue. You yeah. know, and uh, because the the temperature under your tongue is the best indicator of the temperature of your body. You know, I mean, there is one other alternative. You know, we won't go there, but um, the temperature under your tongue is the most accessible. <laughs> it's the most accessible, uh, you know, place to to get the true temperature of your body, right? Okay, so your spiritual temperature is there as well. That's exactly the point that needs to be made. Uh, you can tell a person's spiritual temperature; they walk with God by whether they do or do not control their tongue. Well, and and I'm not saying that I don't I don't agree with not coming to the church part, but 
isn't it sometimes better to come to church and and that's where it gets resolved? Well, here's I think here's the big question. Sometimes. Is, the question is, are you planning to resolve the matter? Um, are you, do you have a way, have you prayed about and found a way that, hey, I'm going to go to this man and I'm going to settle this problem with him? Uh, but if you're just coming to church and you're stewing over it and you're just bitter and angry, I mean, you're going to, you're ultimately, you're just going to affect the whole service. Right. You're, you're not just going to mess it up for yourself. You're going to mess it up for the people in your row that see you uh, pitching a fit, see you with an angry face. You're going to mess it up for the people around you that are used to you singing out loud and praising the Lord. But then this service, you're quiet and to yourself. I mean, it can really affect the whole attitude of the service. And, you know, and in this, I think this one is, uh, we mentioned how can this apply to the everyday Christian. I think that this one applies so much more because uh, the church is always supposed to be a place where we can separate ourselves from the Lord and we can just focus on worshiping and praising God. But oftentimes we're not careful and we we take drama from outside in the world and bring it right down into the church and we let that affect our worship and our praise uh, with our Lord. Mm. Well, and it's true. And you know, I like I said I, I do agree with the the you don't want to be the hindrance. But often times for me, you know, I can t- when preacher when we first started in chap in Matthew and uh, me and Cody were literally arguing that night before and mom was already had mine in a set that we that we were not going to go. But we did anyways, and typically, what, usually what happens for me is when my tongue takes over and I try to listen to a gospel song or try to listen to a message, I instantly felt feel that conviction of I gotta gotta get it right, and so that's, it's, that's what I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's that's, like, yeah, that's what that's yeah. what I was talking about. That's the Holy Spirit reconciling you back to where you need to be. Yeah, uh, that's not yeah. you. You're not in a point. I, I think that that's almost a different form of bitterness. You're not in a point where you're kind of stuck in your ways and saying, I'm not going to fix this. He needs to fix this about himself. I'm not going to fix this. And you're not going to go and talk to the person about it. But rather, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you know this is wrong. You know this is what you need to be doing. Look, I, I, we were in our church. Nathan, you'll remember this. You guys might have been a little later. and uh, But Nathan, you'll remember this. We had a Sunday where uh, one of the, the pretty high-up guys that used to be in the church here um, – he was so bent out of shape with his mother that his mother dropped in for a service unannounced, unexpected, and came in and sat down with her son. He got his whole family. They stood up, walked clear to the other side of the church. And we got a big auditorium. Hmm. They walked clear to the other side of the church as far. You remember that? Walked as far away from her as they possibly could and and planted themselves down over there right in front of God and everybody. Wow. And I'm like, hey, man, you don't need to walk to the other side of the church. You need to walk down front. You know, That's what he's saying. He's, mm-hmm. he's getting at the point that you can't just continuously, you know, hip- hypocritically come in and sit beside people that you know that you're not right with. You just can't continuously do that because it hardens you. Right. It begins to, to really, really callous your life over and you, uh, you lose feeling. You know, Ephesians talks about being past feeling. And you get in that kind of a state, man, you're in trouble. Yeah, you know, I think someone else that it can affect a lot is uh, not just the person that, um, to go back to who it affects, not just the person that is bitter, right? Uh, for instance, say pastor comes in and pastor and I have a falling out and we get in a huge argument and discuss a discussion and just start fighting. And then we go into service and I'm sitting there and I'm upset 
and I, I we just got in a big fight and I'm upset but then I turn and I see pastor raising his hands and just praising the Lord and almost putting on this uh, I guess you could say like a pseudo Christianity he's faking it at this point because you know that what just happened there's no way that that just happened and he's coming in and just has a spirit of praise like this and then it makes the person more bitter about the situation yeah it makes the person more upset about the situation can because, I say one more thing yeah can I say one more thing Chapter 1, verse 26. We already covered it, but you can't miss this point. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, this man's religion is vain. Yeah. I think that's what I can go back to is just the fact that bottom line, a person comes in and acts like the world, talks like the world, causes problems, uh, has hatred in their heart and then they come in and they have this fake form of praise and worship i mean it yeah. affects everybody because yeah. everybody knows how you are outside the church and yeah. then they know that you don't bridle your tongue but then you come in and you praise the lord yeah along but, you with know the rest I, and, and you know i actually left out the most dangerous part because it actually what the verse actually says is uh, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue what does it say but Deceiveth his own heart. His own heart. Mm-hmm. This man's religion is vain. And what uh, to go back to your point, Jeremy, which I agree 100% with what you're saying, but, you know, like if you and Cody are feuding or you or somebody else in the family or whatever, and you just let that smolder and, and go on and on and on and on, that's where the danger lies. Yeah, That's yeah. where the biggest problem is. Yeah, it's not about having disagreements. I mean, I, I think we can all agree that we have disagreements with yeah. people. But it's yeah, just we're Baptists. We're experts on disagreements, right? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I learned I learned a couple months into my marriage that life's not just full of agreements and getting along. There's definitely some disagreements in life, but I think the big part, like he said, is just some people just become so hardened and so accustomed to this fakeness that they can put on this front that they put on when they come to church. They put on their Sunday's best and they come in and they praise the Lord, and then they know that outside. Their outside of the church testimony is nowhere near that of their testimony in the church. Um, and I think that just goes back to the danger that we have today that everyone's a Christian. If you ask everyone, they're a Christian. And that's one of the reasons why I believe uh, using filth words or what we've known to say as cuss words is a sin. Because how, can, like the, the chapter says, how can the same fountain send forth sweet water and bitter? Salt water and fresh. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't work. How can you be around the guys at work saying dirty jokes or you know cursing up a storm? You're worse than a sailor. You can make a sailor blush. How can you do that and then out of the next breath say, "Oh, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about the gospel? Do you know what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary?" Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't go together. One Turn that's off. very common today is coming in and praising the Lord and saying all this stuff and then. A lady walks by you uh, with form-fitting clothes, and the guy goes on and says something about her. Like, yeah. you're like, dude. <laughs> like, in church, you sit here and you speak one way, and then you get outside of church and you're talking about adulterous things, lustful things, and it's like, what is wrong with you, my friend? If you remember when Paul's uh, talking to Timothy in Second Timothy 4, I think, and he says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Is that, you know, you have a season when you're preaching and when you're not? No, that's saying when you're behind the pulpit, you're the same. 
when you're out on the street witnessing when you're the same and when you're with your family you're the yeah. same when no mm-hmm. one sees you or also when it's popular or even when it's unpopular true yeah and you know yeah. what man i'm telling you the minefield is when it's unpopular because yeah. i know for me with my temperament you know um first of all there's no such thing as submission until there's a disagreement mm-hmm. right you know uh, we talk about wives submitting themselves to their husbands if a wife is in in agreement with her husband all the time there is no submission it's just called agreement right but when there's a disagreement that's when she has to say okay i'm going to defer to the authority of my husband on this same way with a pastor you know a pastor who is leading a church that's in unity there's no disagreement there's no submission but when your pastor does something that you're skeptical of or you're you're questioning or whatever that's when you have to submit you know as a writer of hebrews said in hebrews 13 uh obey them that have the rule over you and so uh, when we have a disagreement with someone, my temperament is to say, I'm going to steamroll this person and persuade them. I'm kind of like a prosecutor, you know. I'm going to tell them, you know, exactly what they need to hear and get this straightened out of their mind before we move on. And, um, you know, one of the sins of the tongue is not just uh, uh, is not just saying too much, but sometimes the sin of the tongue is just um, is trying to say it all, mm-hmm. you know, in one sitting. And you can't do that. You just can't. You have to parse it out you know portion it up and uh and and get a little here and a little there it's what scripture teaches line upon line precept to precept precept upon precept here a little there a little and uh you just continuously drop those uh you know those messages and those uh those nuggets of gold yeah i love this chapter yeah i absolutely love this chapter i think it's a great one yeah i think it's something that we all need to be careful of as christians just make sure that our hearts are right when we come into worship, uh, that our uh, tongue and our attitude is right when we come into worship, uh, and that ultimately that we have the right mindset that we're we're coming to worship, not because we have to be there, not because if I don't show up to church, I'm worried about what Nathan's going to say to me, but I'm coming to the church because I want to praise the Lord and I want to worship Him for all that He's done in my life. Yeah. Man. Yep. Yeah. Tongue is very hard to control, though. That's for sure. Well, that's why I think very clearly, once again, going back to last week, uh, verse number eight, he says, but the tongue can no man no tame. No man tame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, yeah, you know, there, there needs to be something said here. I know we're almost out of time, but, you know, there, there needs to be something said here also about um, the reality that it's not always sinful to be negative. You know, because the Apostle Paul, in we have First and Second Corinthians, the two longest epistles that Paul wrote. Um, you know, just tremendous, tremendous ecclesiastical information there, just really relevant stuff for the church. And uh, in the first epistle, Paul said, "Now concerning the things that you wrote unto me, it is not good uh, for a man to touch a woman." And he goes on and he talks about this, you know, this pervert in the church who was having you know, a, uh, a romantic affair with his stepmom. Mm. And Paul said, that's not even named among the Gentiles. That's, that's so bad that even a Gentile wouldn't do it, you know? Right. And so, you know, but the, the, the relevance here for this discussion is this. How did Paul find out about that? He was not an eyewitness of that. So somebody told him. And they weren't ratting them out. They were just saying, look, the health of our church is at stake because of the sexual misbehavior of this person. 
And so they told the man of God. But that's the key. They didn't go to everybody else in the church and tell everybody else in the church before they told the man of God. They went to the source that they needed to talk to first. They told Paul what was going on, and that's how we got the letter of 1 Corinthians. There's other information in there as well, but that's how we, you know, one of the primary discussions in the letter of 1 Corinthians is uh, is this, this sexual perversion, really incest. It's going on between a, a man and his stepmother. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, you have to tell it. Yeah, and you I have think... to tell the truth. Our church is sick, and I want my pastor to know. And there's not a, there, it's not a sin, it's not ratting somebody out. You know, you're looking for the spiritual well-being of your church. Yeah, you know, actually, to, uh, and we could probably close it around here, but uh, to give a story, uh, a young person came up to me not too long ago and said, you know, I haven't said this yet, and I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I tell someone, but. I can't just let someone get away with the things that they're doing and think that what they're doing is okay living this way. Absolutely. And, I mean, it absolutely broke that young person to tell me because they knew the consequences of what would happen if someone else figured out. But they did it because they knew that, look, what they were doing was not right. And what they were doing is what the Bible speaks against. Uh, and I think that's... It's like a bad apple situation. That's you what can't it comes down to. And, yeah, you, you have to stay. remember, too, Paul didn't just say... Uh, the Bible is good for exhortation. No. He didn't say that. He said reprove, the first two, reprove and rebuke. rebuke. Exhort. Reprove and, and rebuke are, are both uh, have more of a negative connotation to them. So it's definitely not always positive. Uh, sometimes you have to say negative things, but I think it goes back uh, to how you say it. Your spirit. Your spirit, right. You don't just go up right. as a battle axe, but you go up uh, with love and compassion, right? Uh, the shepherd would break right. the leg of a sheep. But he didn't break the leg of the sheep because he hated the sheep. He broke the leg of the sheep because he loved the sheep. Yep, and man. he didn't want the sheep to run away. Same yep. thing with the tongue. You can't go up and just tongue lash someone because you're mad at them. No. But you have to correct them because you love them. And right. you can't let that sin problem go on. Yeah. Well, Let me close this one out today, guys. Is that okay with you guys? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, you can get all these podcasts on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can go on YouTube, search for Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. And uh, all the podcasts are there. We'd love you to like and subscribe. Uh, you can also find much of this information on our church's website, www.brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. And uh, there's other information there about our youth camp that's coming up this summer. There's um, different meetings and s- several things that could be help- helpful to uh, the community, including Vacation Bible School and a lot of stuff. Visit the website, www.brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Also, on a side note, I am going to start putting these on the Facebook as well. I'll start putting the link to the awesome. YouTube on there. Uh, so if you aren't too tech-savvy and you can't get around YouTube, but you finally, after 15 years, been able to master the art that is Facebook, uh, it will be on the church's website. So you can find them all there. Uh, the church website is just the name of the church, Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. Yep. And Jeremy, you want to close us out in prayer tonight? Sure. Father, we thank you for allowing us to come together and uh, talk about your word. Um the tongue is such a hard thing to to master, um, but through your word, through James, you can teach us how to. And uh, thank you for um, allowing us to just be able to do this this ministry. It's it's such a blessing. I mean, the 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 growth that we've slowly started to see in it. It's nothing we've done, but it's all to you. Father, I, th- I pray for the listeners. I pray that if anyone's yes. lost out there, that they would um, reach out and uh, yes. come to know you, Lord. And um, thank you for 
everything that you've ever done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Thanks, guys. guys. Thank you for uh, tuning in to this episode of Cherishing Scriptures podcast, where we are changing society by cherishing Scripture.